0: what's going on guys welcome back to a very special episode of the escandy sports podcast i've lost count as to how many episodes we've actually done at this point and they always get rejiggered with people's schedules and all that stuff but guys if you're on youtube you see him here the infamous roe russell (laughs) tongue twister sometimes but roe it's my understanding right off the top that you have something special to share today a big announcement perhaps
1: yeah thanks for having me on uh i definitely I uh, want to let everybody know that uh you know i've been uh i started prep schools in back in 2000 i i've been doing aau for since 89 and uh you know i enjoy my passion to to coach but um have done it for so long where i do 12 months a year you know mm-hmm. prep school and then right into aau um, i have decided to go in a different direction for um prep school and i've decided to retire from, mm. from prep schools, coaching during the months of August all the way till June or yeah. May or whatever, and then go right into AAU. So now I've decided to uh, open up my own consulting business in terms of uh, um, you know consulting to prep schools and organizations and athletes and all that stuff.
0: Well, right off the bat, congratulations. I, I know you said the prep was in 2000. but your basketball career that that starts before that yeah when it comes to coaching and stuff like that but so what led to this uh decision why now um and what were some of the key factors in deciding you know now it's the time to to move on and do some other things there's a
1: lot of different factors that led into it because i i I love coaching and training and seeing kids go from you know young boys to men you know Mm -hmm. and moving on to the next level um, you know, things like, uh, you know, just getting older, you know, yeah. getting older and not having the same, you know, uh, vibrancies I used to in terms of going from uh, prep school right into AAU mm-hmm. and, and training and throughout the whole year, um, you know, and, and, and hopefully soon I, I'll be a grandfather, Okay. you know, and uh, I want to be able to clear some room out, you know, for <laughs> For you know that, that that next person that comes along to right. to, to you know um, spoil the, the the heck out of them, you know what I'm saying, and uh, you know just. I'm I'm a big challenge guy. I like challenges. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people were hitting me up and calling me about, Hey, I need a player from overseas. Mm -hmm. I need to get into a U.S. tournament. How do you do this at this prep school? How do you do? So they already hit me up about consulting. Mm -hmm. So I decided to go full-time into that business. And, you know, it's a wide range of things that you do in that, in that space. So I just decided to go in that direction. I, I already paid my dues and plenty more, um, you know. I Establish uh, a Crestwood prep for to be a, a good basketball program, and and to be competitive. And and now I could leave it, and whoever takes it, it's it's in, it's in good hands, and it, it keeps going.
0: Well, that's two congratulations then: one for the retirement, and two for you know being a grandfather. Is that? baby just absolutely destined to play basketball
1: yeah wh- whatever it's gonna be it, hopefully <laughs> soon it, it it's, it's 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 obvious they're gonna it's, play basketball yeah. we're gonna be in the gym we're gonna be going to the games you know we'll be watching nba finals <laughs> march madness like no matter if it's a girl or a guy yeah. it it it's going to grow up you know uh, being around basketball yeah. so hopefully they that's going to make them uh, gravitate to basketball
0: yeah they're going to surpass whatever the parents will is and it's going right to yeah. grandpa we're going yeah. right to basketball no soccer yeah no
1: soccer no It's the off season
0: though we can do yeah. stay fit you know for, for when they're younger yeah, okay. they can dabble <laughs> around
1: you know with different sports and stuff but when it comes down to it it's going to be basketball <laughs> yeah
0: well there you have a future baby that's your that's your future in this sport yeah. um do you feel like you've left the prep scene at a good spot? Have you accomplished the things that you've kind of set out for? Or did you have goals in mind when you started doing the prep scene and have you hit them since?
1: Yeah, well, I had goals when I started it in terms of uh, winning games in the States, mm-hmm. being known, upsetting some certain teams that are ranked and and, and, and making a name for itself where the American um, – entities whether it be the organizers the the scouts the rankers the um you know the people down there know what Crestwood is it Mm -hmm. it, it comes off their tongue and they call you to get uh into their showcase or 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 come up Mm -hmm. you know so that stuff works like certain things like bringing Americans to Canada for school, like that hadn't been done before and uh you know we were the first uh uh, prep school to do that, where mm-hmm. guys are going coming to Canada rather than for Canadians go to right. Americans and stuff. So a lot of goals, we we upset some teams, and you know we we played really close to some other top teams and played a lot of top ranked players, and you know a lot of guys got scholarships and you know won championships and played well in other leagues and, and circuits. And so we did pretty good uh, on my run. Now it's a matter of, you know, other guys taking it over and it's a pretty, pretty good established place where they can run it on their own mm. and, and and they know what, what they got to do. And, and people are even call, calling me, is like saying, hey, I came to Crestwood because you, you were there, but you're yeah. not there. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's pretty good now. Now everyone knows what Crestwood prep right. is, you know?
0: What do you think the pinnacle of, your tenure at Crestwood was. Is there a, a specific game that you're the most proud of, or something, in something specific that you have accomplished that's like that you'll hang your hat on and be like, "That's that's good work that we did that year or that game." Or
1: yeah, I think earlier on, maybe year three, year four, uh, we won the, the. It was called the MPA uh, uh, Prep League, right? And we won the championships that year, and and it was pretty good competition. And, uh, you know, we had not joined the OSB yet until after mm-hmm. that year we got a, an invite into it. And it was a really fun year because uh, guys bought into, you know, winning a championship and there's a lot of day in the life of and, yeah. you know, the, the whole uh, focus and grind of that year and, 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 and guys got scholarships out of that year. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we were on a high cloud that year. So I think that was the year that really made us say, we arrived, we, we, right. we put this together, we established this program. And then the, the next couple of years we won AFSA as well, yeah. when we were able to, because, uh, you know, we met all the criteria. And uh, that was the last time, we <laughs> were the last team yeah. in the prep scene that can win offset, because after that they made a rule that prep programs can't win, yeah. can't go into offset anymore.
0: Well, that's probably a good rule considering yeah. where prep is now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. that, that'd be an absolute bloodbath. Yeah. But is there any uh, tournament or moment that slipped? where? you? Uh, oh, yeah. For sure, for <laughs>
1: sure. <laughs> it's funny you say that because uh, well, one year, I think it was Lijah's freshman year,
0: mm-hmm.
1: maybe sophomore year, freshman or sophomore, we were in uh, Tennessee for a big national tournament. Yeah. And uh, we were playing against uh, Hamilton Heights, right. where Shea uh, Gilchrist Alexander went yeah. to uh, prep school. And uh, they were pretty good, they were ranked number two in the country and uh we 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 were playing really well and we were and, and
0: sorry just to started to cutting you off but that, Shea's on that team at that time no 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 oh, okay. he's in the he, nba just where he went yeah okay or, or
1: oh. it might have been in kentucky he was either at kentucky okay. or, or his rookie year in the nba okay okay and uh he uh and and we almost beat them we lost yeah. by two yeah. you know and uh, it was like uh um you know it was really close i think it was we we, we, we tied them it was that was a tie game at, at regulation mm-hmm. and we lost by two in overtime and uh, we we were up the whole game and we could have won, but we didn't we didn't uh, protect the lead uh, good enough because they trapped and they got yeah. after it and then they rushed us and we made some some you know ill advised shots where we should have just kept it because right. the, the the biggest difference playing in America is there's yeah. no shot clock right now.
0: Oh it's ridiculous. So
1: so guys are just used to like after a while they're itching to put up mm-hmm. a shot or a layup rather than just keep it and keep it moving yeah. and waste the clock and that's what we should have did but yeah. we, we we at least we proved and and a lot, of, a lot of guys got some really good um exposure from it because yeah. a lot of college coaches were there and they saw our guys compete with Guys, a lot of those guys on the Hamilton Hypes are, are high major D1 now. So yeah. I think that was a game that slipped, that we should have got them.
0: And the other thing with that no-shot clock. Which is the worst rule in American basketball right now? Uh, on defense too, you, you lose your patience. Yeah, like you, you start going yeah. gambling for steals yeah, but you yeah, have yeah. no business. You're not going to get that ball, but yeah. it's been 45 seconds. Like enough's yeah. enough. Yeah. enough. It, it,
1: it's crazy when you see some of the videos of the yeah. team and the guys just holding it there. Yeah, and he's just standing there by center. Yeah, and he's just waiting. And the other teams just in zone. Yeah, and they're looking at their coach, looking at their coach, and yeah. they're seeing like, should we trap him? Should we do something? Yeah, and they're just you know. So it's become too strategic. Before yeah. there's a Time where you wasted the clock and Mm -hmm. you know you got good possessions when you need it, but now it's just got a hand. So I think slowly but surely, all America will go into the shot clock. So, because there's some some states that are going into that now, but it was ridiculous for a while.
0: Even the kids downstairs, they have a 24 second shot clock. Some of them are going to be in grade nine, like in the junior, pre- all that stuff. It, yeah, get them started early, and it makes the game so much better.
1: Exactly, because it's crazy. Because like when I played, even like up to the last ten years, it was no shot clock even right. in Canada until FIBA finally yeah. came and we adopted it and so forth. But for for all of my most of my career, <laughs> we had no shot clock. Yeah. until recently. So yeah, I think I think
0: they they introduced it when I was in high school because I remember grade nine no shot clock, yeah. grade ten no shot clock, and then. 11, 12, we, we were excited to yeah. have a shot clock. It felt like more of a basketball yeah,
1: game. Yeah, yeah. Because most teams play like without with a shot clock anyway in mind, mm-hmm. the way their pace is, the way the tempo is. Yeah. They do put up shots like with shots within 20 to 30 seconds up. So yeah. it, it should be with the shot clock to hurry up. The game's more exciting. Yeah. The game's finished faster. Right. Um, there, there's more strategic stuff that are going on uh, with like, you know, the, you know the, the clock you know yeah. as a, a pushing now they have like i forgot what it's called um like with cbl they have yeah. even like you're, you're playing to a certain number yeah and, the uh, element yeah Elam. And so you're doing this so they're being becoming really strategic with that now
0: yeah no and last basketball nerdy thing on the shot clock debate yeah. but we have the rule here where the closely guarded rule where it's like you know um it not all the refs call it but if you're if you're if you're strapping them up for I think it's is it five seconds? Five seconds. Five seconds, then you know, it's it's a turnover. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. that's just just being American rule for no shot clock. It yeah. makes no sense having it here.
1: No, no, exactly. And it's so subjective. Like yeah. um a guy, is this close enough? Is this close enough? Is yeah, this close enough? Yeah. And, and you think you're close enough to get the count going, and, yeah. and then they just don't count it. And then sometimes they're not they're not as as close, and right. you, and you think they're far away, but they because they put their hand <laughs> out, then they they start counting, and then you got to ba- break that plane in order to um, stop the the count, or you got to advance the ball or do something with mm-hmm. it, uh, get into the basket.
0: Earlier you talked about having uh, a freshman Elijah Fisher on your squad. Um, He's a guy that stayed, yeah. the entire who definitely had the ability to move outward. What What do you think are some of the driving motives that uh, would have kept him here, and that you know other players should consider before immediately jumping ship to the states?
1: Yeah, I mean, like all the way up from uh, dealing with Elijah Fisher, you know, he decided his family and him decided to stay because mm-hmm. I I figured out the way to still get that exposure, that opportunity, that competition, that development here without having to go to the States. You could Mm -hmm. go to the States like RJ Barrett or Mm -hmm. Tristan Thompson or other guys that went there, but you can also stay here now. It's at a point now with the OSBA, with coaches coming up, Mm -hmm. with going down to showcases, with the gym availability, with the strong OSBA league. You, you can stay up here. The only thing you don't get is ranking from ESPN. That's the only thing that you don't right. get... Um, but you get everything else, Yeah, you know what I mean? And you can always go to the States. You play AAU, you yeah. go to camps, you go to All star games, you go to showcases. Mm-hmm. So you get a, you get that opportunity to play in the States. So mm-hmm. it works. It works up here now. Yeah. Of, like, look at Jamal Murray, look at Thon Maker, yeah. you know, look at some of the other guys, uh, Lugans Dorts. Yeah. A lot of guys played in Canada, didn't go to the States, and they're either in the NBA or on their way. So yeah. it does work.
0: And this is a half-baked idea I have right now, but I, my running theory in my head right now is like, if you're one of the top dogs in Canada and you can get the games here, it might be beneficial just to stay. So long as you, like, if a team comes to see a game, like they, they're here for you, you know what I mean? Like we had Elijah Fisher and Leonard Miller play against each other, I think a couple of times, or at least once that I can recall, where that's a heavyweight battle where the, the teams, they traveled. If the talent's here, they'll travel here, right? So I think in a lot of ways, if, if you are in that upper echelon of players, like, I think you can have just as good, if not better, looks running it here.
1: Yeah, because you get way better looks up here because mm-hmm. of the fact that, you know, it's like Kawhi Leonard factor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he was, like, the, the most t- sought after, talked about. Like, he was for the whole country. Rather than in the NBA teams, is that city, that state, that part of the country. So you're you're a bigger fish in a smaller pond when you're up here mm-hmm. Then down there. You might get buried, or exactly you might be a, a, a you know have to face politics or favoritism, whatever. So it, it is does work. Uh, the biggest problem that happened was the pandemic. Mm-hmm. You know they had no games here, but they had games down there, and that right. made a lot of kids start looking down there again in the last couple of years. Yeah. And now it's kind of getting back to normal now where there's a season like there was last year. And, uh, you know, guys might still stay here because there, there's some pretty good guys are still here. yeah. But some kids will always want to go down to make sure. Some parents will say, hey, I don't know what's going to happen. And we know how the government is with shutting things down, but oh, America yeah. doesn't. So yeah. just go down and make sure, um, but you can still stay.
0: I remember the basketball courts by my house had, like, the cap on it. Yeah. And then they had the garbage bag over top yeah. of that. It's like yeah. no basketball we played here today. I'm like, dude, that's such a weird
1: yeah, yeah, fight
0: like, to pick yeah, with yeah. basketball at a park. Like it it got it got pretty dire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: It went over to the top on that stuff. And then people was like, I'm not taking any chances. You're going yeah. down. You know what I mean? But it's hard to blame them. Yeah, it's hard to blame them, but you know at least they know that you don't have to because it's sometimes more expensive to go down because you talk about Mm -hmm. American dollars and and, and there's less scholarships opportunity there and there's more politics, more favoritism, and all those things uh, are down there when you go down. So I only recommend the kids, if they want to go down, that are like potential Mm -hmm. McDonald's All-Americans because you know for sure you're going to play. right? For sure you're going to play a lot. And, and those kind of things. But um, you know, kids that just wanna go down because you yeah. say I went down, then that, that all most of the time it doesn't work out the way yeah. they, they thought they think it's gonna be.
0: I feel like there's this weird middle tier of players too that are good enough to play D one, mm-hmm. but maybe not good enough to to validate, you know, a scout for a team coming here to watch them for or a coach to come down to watch. Right. So I feel like like and I'll say names. There's a guy last year, Pierre Mukandela, at Niagara, mm-hmm. um, D1 body, he was pretty talented. And a little piece of me thinks if he played somewhere in the States, he'd someone would have taken a flyer on him, D1 there. So there's like that weird, like, that 1B pool that I feel bad about.
1: Yeah, sure, sure. Especially now with the, the transfer portal, the yeah. one-time transfer rule, um, if they saw his body yeah, and exactly. his athleticism and his toughness, uh, you know, it, more often then um, people would take a chance on him more than here where he's mm-hmm. secluded in Niagara, you're not really seeing him every day, and you're doing really well up here, but you're not being exposed as right. much. So that's why I was like, if someone's going to stay here, if Elijah Fisher is going to stay here, we have to mimic like as if right. he's getting the exposure down there.
0: And you still have the grind session. Yeah. You still have these calendars. Yeah, these, yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 these uh, showcase events like right. City of Palms, Hoop Hall, yeah. Flying to the Hoop, all these major tournaments. Yeah. And uh, you know, you're know you on the phone and the emails getting coaches up here yeah. and showing them the videos. You're live streaming and you're having matchups, you're doing everything yeah. you can to draw the coaches up here so they still get the, the kind of exposure they, they yeah. deserve and they want. Yeah. You know,
0: so... And, and I remember uh, I covered bio still pretty closely. I know that Elijah wasn't there for most of the weekend and he popped in for the game and still just gave everyone buckets, yeah. won the the MVP for his team. It's yeah. just like, I mean, I'm assuming he was somewhere else playing basketball. You yeah. know what I mean? But like, <laughs> that guy, he was, he's he is very special. I'm excited to see him at Texas Tech uh, with... Uh, they have another Canadian that just transferred there too, the big guy. Yeah, Fardaz. Fardaz, yeah. yeah. So that's gonna be uh that's gonna be a fun little matchup. Yeah, uh,
1: definitely. They're they're gonna be ranked this year and hopefully he's um like I predicted back back in the fifth, sixth grade that you know he'll be one and done. He'll be those guys that, you know, have an opportunity to go to the next level early and um, you know, still go to summer times to get his degree together. Yeah. But you know, she was just built for this. She was yeah. built the mentality, the athleticism, the the toughness, mm-hmm. the focus was always there. And now he's gonna put all the fundamentals together. He came back home the other day mm-hmm. uh, for a weekend just to visit family, and we went to the gym and worked out. And all those years of me telling him to get that shot. Get your hand under the ball and going. Yeah. He he does that now. He yeah. shoots way better. Yeah, uh, and and we always knew eventually he would get a jump shot. But obviously, mm-hmm. like anyone, if you're that athletic and that strong and physical, I was always high percentage. Get mm-hmm. to the basket, dunk on that guy. Mm-hmm. You know, you know that 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 video you see that you hear that that coach or whatever is saying. Right dunk that, but he, yeah. you know, he kind of curses.
0: Right. I
1: was that guy like, dunk that, you know? Yeah, exactly. You want to get to the high percentage. I'd rather you go to the basket and get a 100% opportunity than shoot from three, and that's at 30 40%. But right. now he's putting that together, knowing that at the next level he's now having to face um, zones and help sides exactly. and, and all that
0: stuff so now and also the guy that you're meeting under the rim yeah is exactly. a much more worthy opponent than exactly
1: the <laughs> yeah a six eleven seven footer. so yeah. now he has best of both worlds and that's going to help him for the next level so i'm really glad that we established him uh, into that you know going downhill being mm-hmm. aggressive you know wanted to take someone uh in the air and all that kind of stuff
0: and uh you talked about the jump shot coming along there was one day last year where the jump shot was Definitely there against yeah. New Horizon. Yeah, yeah,
1: uh, definitely. Was it eighty? No, seventy-five. Seventy-five. Yeah. Five. At first they thought it was seventy-four, but when they reviewed the tapes, yeah, they missed a foul shot. Yeah, so it was seventy-five, and the basket was you know that big. He was at hitting that
0: threes. Time. That that, yeah. that was that was a lot of threes. And, yeah, and if that's like if he's seventy percent there, you know what I'm saying? With that three pointer. It's, yeah.
1: So yeah, he, he 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 he's continued in the gym. He loves being in the gym even to this day. Mm-hmm. Like then, like if he can if he can work out for seven days a week, he yeah. would. You know what I'm saying?
0: I, I I want to get him one day on this podcast. Yeah, I want no, to pick definitely. his brain because he came up um, along the same lines as Zion, same time period where we were seeing Zion in high school with this, you know, grown man body dunking it everywhere. And then you had almost like this miniature version of him in Elijah Fisher. Who, he must have been like sixth or seventh grade. I remember he was playing uh, up the street from my house. And this is, this has got to be, you know, at least five years ago, right? And um the the gym's packed. They want to see Elijah yeah. play, and he got crowned so early, which is like obviously it panned out, and he worked hard, and he's there. But it's like, man, dealing with all of that at that young age, because like it it's helpful, but it's also he must have had tons of weight on his shoulder from just his,
1: yeah. The the great thing age. about all the weight that he had on his shoulder was. That, uh, early on, I saw from the fifth grade. I f- felt he's gonna go far in this game, yeah. and I, I had that meeting, those meetings with his parents. And I was yeah. saying, "Hey, you gotta help him out. You gotta keep him grounded. Yeah. Keep him humble. You know, you gotta be there to protect him and be there for him." So his mom and dad was was always there. They bought in early yeah. and followed my lead, and then they were able to be there to help him with all that. So he's uh, a very tight knit family unit. Yeah. So th- all the family members are there to make him. Uh, um, you know, feel uh, normal, you know, and not always be in that that space where you have to, like, Mm -hmm. feel so pressured and stressed out about basketball. Mm -hmm. So he was able to escape a lot of times and just focus on being with family.
0: No, for sure. Um, Ro, so let's talk about you again. (laughs) Okay. Um, But part of your retirement is that you're kind of breaking up some of the Responsibilities you had as a coach and just kind of making them their own little path. Yeah. Like being an ambassador and, and training. Um, training wise, I want to ask you first Is there anyone that you've trained that just has like a next level sort of competitiveness to them that maybe people wouldn't think of right away? I'm going to exclude Elijah Fisher. Okay. From this, but who, <laughs> who are some of the best tra- uh, trainees, I guess, you've had? And what are the best qualities
1: over the years? Yeah. Over the years. Let me see. That's a, that's a tough question. I got to think about it real quick. Um, over the years, uh, training, uh, I'd probably say Jacoby Neath. Okay. Because Jacoby, he, he, he's another guy that would wanna train mm-hmm. seven days a week.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, he was he, he trained like properly, like he'd go 100% for an hour. Right. And he might be saying, I'm done. I did. I put my work in. I didn't have to train for three hours. Yeah. Just going 70, 80%. I can go hard 100% for an hour got all the shots up, got all the moves in, got mm-hmm. all the finishes in. And I, I'm tired, I'm sweating, I'm bringing yeah. my shirt out the same way of someone that was doing right. it for three hours. So I like his his mentality of training properly and effectively and still getting the same work done right. for, as someone that's doing it for three hours.
0: So do you buy into the sort of workout culture of like, oh, well I was at the gym at three and you went at, I was at the gym at three in the morning, but you only went at nine. Like is it more of just like the quality of the workout or do you think there's some sort of competitive angle to?
1: Yeah, there, there is. Um, I think that there is um, some competitive and some ment- mental um, advantage of being in the gym early or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but at the, at the same time, it is the quality of the workout. But right. what I do is I do pride myself at 6 o'clock workouts. Right. Like uh, having Elijah Fisher go all the way down from Oshawa to Falstaff Community Center early on mm-hmm. establishes work ethic. You know, and I am waking up when everybody else is sleeping. I'm getting the work done. We still Mm -hmm. worked out effectively, but. We, we established that mentality that I wanna work. Mm-hmm. I don't wanna sleep and sleep in and yeah. enjoy my sleep and yeah. just relax. I wanna be competitive against the other guys. It's like that Magic Johnson mentality like, oh, Larry Bird is working out for two and a half hours. I'm gonna work for three hours. Oh, mm-hmm. Larry Bird is working out for three hours. I'm gonna work out for four hours. So it, it, establishing that workout time early in the morning does help. Mm-hmm. But you also have to make sure that you, um, you know, work effectively because they always say that that's the part of the definition of, of uh, work ethic mm-hmm. you know what i mean that you're working out when there's no scouts in there there's no teammates in there there's not a lot of coaches in there there's not a fans in there if you want to work out and work hard is when no one's there
0: right um from the ambassador point of view is that something that you're spending time in now or is that stuff you've done in the past like uh, what does it mean to be an ambassador? Well,
1: it, it's stuff over the years. Um, being an ambassador is something that I've done naturally. Like yeah. I've, uh, you know, represented certain companies. I promoted certain companies. were their brand. Yeah. From time to time, or there be I've always been Adidas guy. Yeah. You know, for a long time. I. I uh, so over the years, just so people know I started out back in like '91. Yeah. Being um, we were sponsored by um, and one when Adnan was big, and uh, uh, um, Crawford was the uh, you know the, the the player that was uh, yeah. you know sponsored by them, and then we went to uh, uh, Nike mm-hmm. uh, in in the in the late '90s, and then we went to uh, a Reebok, right, and then we went to Adidas, and then we went to uh, Under Armour, right, and then we went back to Nike again. And now we're with Adidas. So, so, so
0: you're on tour, you're yeah.
1: <laughs> and the latest, wow! One of the the, the companies that I want to be ambassador for is Exist. Mm-hmm. Exist is an up and coming clothing line. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine, Justin, uh, out of Hamilton, um, they have really quality uh, th- uh, cl- uh, clothing, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and he's really a sharp, creative guy. And, uh, you know, I'd I, I like to, you know, he does really mm-hmm. good uniforms for different teams at, yeah. at a good cost, so... That's one of the programs uh, or companies I'm going to uh, be ambassador from. And I get a lot of calls and, and messages on, on WhatsApp and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and Instagram about yeah. being an ambassador. So why not do that? You get free stuff, you get paid, and you get to, you know, move around and yeah. represent a country, a company.
0: Good feeling getting that yeah. box of goods just yeah. on your doorstep going through all that free stuff. Exactly. But, no, uh, a point on Zeist. Is it Zeist? It, it's Okay, yeah. So um, I'm not going to say the school, but... I was, you know, I, I go to like any, any practice within range of me, I'll go check out a team, you know, give the guys free pictures or whatever, but I just kind of want to know what's up with each team. Um, and I was at one school in particular and they were working out, uh, you know, the Jersey, the Jersey deal with, with that school. And they were on the phone with these talking about pockets. I want to cut this way. I want to see. So they, that company, I can say firsthand from experience are very, very, specific it's not just like they're just pumping out clothing and you get what you get they're actually you know they're working with the teams and they're very very detail-oriented. Yeah, their customized
1: product. clothing is very important. I yeah. like it this way. I like the cut this way. I mm-hmm. want the stars over here. Mm-hmm. I want the neck collar over here. Like they do really good work on that stuff, and that's why I like them. And they're they have quality. Like I've I've stuff from them that we, even when we were at Crestwood yeah. we ordered from them, and uh, we it, it's still sharp and clean, and the color is strong and everything. So uh, it's it's a company I believe in. So that's one of the companies that we do or I do in terms of being an ambassador. You know we. Can because uh people know who I am and I get around. Mm-hmm. So they felt that, you know, it's something that, you know, would be a good for me to be ambassador for their company. And so yeah. that's what I'm working towards, uh, you know, getting bigger and bigger with it.
0: No, and there's definitely a space in the jersey space for this because I'm pretty sure eighty-five percent of the teams go to the same five, ten guys from like Bangladesh, Pakistan, all that <laughs> stuff like that. They get their jerseys come back spelt wrong. Yeah. Different yeah, colors, yeah, all the wrong sizes. So uh yeah. Hopefully, exist can yeah exist, exist can, uh, can exist in this yeah, in this yeah. whole. Uh, that's, that's probably whole what world. it is, right? <laughs> that, that's, that's what they're that's what they're going for there.
1: Yeah, so yeah, so that yeah, he does a really good job because he only like for instance, he only um, you know does a sample of one one uniform. So if and then he checks with you, he mm-hmm. sends the the mock or the picture of it and says, is this right? Mm-hmm. And then before he does like 100 pieces or 200 pieces that are not the wrong right. you know, uh, color or or style, he does this one, and then he checks with you to make sure. Yeah. Then he can say, lock it in, and let's mass produce. So yeah. he's very uh, innovative and very smart and very sharp. So we have a mm-hmm. really good relationship.
0: What's your opinion on the state of prep basketball like today, uh, especially in comparison to what we have in the States? Do you think we're closing the gap you know talent wise and you know quality wise, or how much of a variance do you think there still is between us and the states when it comes to you know the high school basketball scene? I,
1: I think there, there's there's been a, a, a big space between Canada and America in mm-hmm. terms of uh, being at the same level for prep. Obviously, yeah. they have a more talent pool to pick from, right. But with the advent of getting kids overseas now, from mm-hmm. the Caribbean, from South America, from Africa, from yeah. Europe all over. Now you can kind of close that gap cuz you'll get the 6'10s and the 7 footers and the athletes and all those kids you could mold mm-hmm. if you get them at the right age. And so now that's helped us to both uh, close the gap and and get our name out, you know, like mm-hmm. you know like for instance having Don Maker, you know, play high school basketball, all the division 1 coaches were f- yeah. flocking to Canada the scouts and the media about him, you know, so that yeah. helps a lot. So over the years now with um, parents that played, mm-hmm. you know, and the the the, the, the people they're getting married to, they're athletes as well, dual right. athletes now, you're having kids getting trainers, they're being athletic and yeah. strong, and now you have the overseas guys and they're going to tournaments in the States more often. Right. And then now it's kind of closing the gap in terms of going down to the States and beating American teams mm-hmm. you know what I mean and and wanted people wanted you to play in their events because of that so and, and more coaches guys are doing well they are getting offered in the high high major level now so yeah. we're, we're slowly but surely closing the gap Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll never get there um for now right um, because of just the sheer numbers like there's 35 sure. million in Canada, and there's hundred and thirty-five million. Yeah, in there's America.
0: thirty-five in California. Yeah, you know so, what I'm saying. Yeah, so
1: you'll never get that sheer, uh, you know, perfect yeah. uh, similarity, but it's getting closer and closer. Yeah, and in some years it's better than others.
0: Right. Um. So, who were like the original prep teams? Were you guys in that pool?
1: Well, well, I, I was like the original, original. Yeah. Because when I when I first did a prep school, it was called TAPS. Yeah. Toronto Prep Toronto Academy Prep School. Yeah. And we were the only one. Right. So there was no competition or no, um, you know, no, no uh, comp for that. So we had to play because most high schools wouldn't play us. Mm-hmm. So there's a few high schools like Henry Carr and um, some other, a couple of high schools that would play us. But we had to play um, colleges, like Humber College or Centennial. Right. Um, we'd play JV teams of universities, but most of our competition was in the States against American right. prep schools. And it wasn't until like 10 years later, Yeah. you know, we were kind of 10 years before our time, where you had like Next Level and NIDA, because there was a time where um, um, a friend of mine, uh, or actually I coached them when he was younger, um, he... Uh, was coaching with the national team and he saw Mm -hmm. what i was doing and he started that program at eastern commerce and then um he he got the job as the 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 cadet coach with the national team and then he brought that same model over there and then they had like a i think it was called nida yeah it was called nida was in hamilton and they had most of the national team players that were in B.C., Calgary, Edmonton, Manitoba, where they weren't getting as much development exposure in mm-hmm. competition. They came over and they went to a particular high school and they started that program. So right. they were uh, one of the ones that started up uh, as well. And then um, other programs slowly started to come into the, the field.
0: Right. So I guess part of the story here is that when you began in the prep scene there's a lot of resistance right it's like a kind of a new concept where where basketball is part of school and it's part of the 24-hour life cycle for these kids do you feel like remiss at all that something that you got ridiculed for quite heavily has now become just sort of common now
1: yeah like so everything i've done since the, the first day i started back in uh in the 80s is like Because I was the first one to do it, Mm. it was always different, and uh, it wasn't part of the you know the old old boys' clique. And they looked at it like, "What are you doing? You're a rogue guy, and you're doing all these things." And then several years later, they're doing the same thing. Yeah, you know, with A A U. Oh, what is he doing? He's taking the talent from Canada. It's a meat market. Yeah. It's all these things. Then several years later, the provincial team is doing AU. The national yeah. team is going to AU trips. You know, it's the same thing with prep school where yeah. when I first started, it's like, I don't want to play him. He's doing this. It's never going to work. Mm-hmm. All this stuff. Now the OBA is doing uh, right. prep school. They're, they're, they're governing the prep school. So right. it, it's, it's funny. It's flattering for me to know yeah. that uh, what I was thinking was, what we should be doing. And sooner or later, they'll catch on. So right. this is them catching on. Exactly. Right, now.
0: right. And a major resistance you had was, you know, the cost of putting together a prep team, right? Like it's not, there's travel, there's all these things. That there's a bill at the end of that. Yes. Um, A bill that would make parents uncomfortable, but it still makes them uncomfortable today. Yeah. Um, I don't, I think there's maybe a couple prep programs right now that are under $10,000 a year. Yeah. Right. Like it's, you're flying, you're doing all these things.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's costly, you know, mm-hmm. especially at, at private schools. Right. Like at Crestwood, at, at uh, J. Addison, at Royal Crown, at different private schools, you know, you got to pay for that private school education as mm-hmm. well as the basketball part of things in terms of traveling and equipment mm-hmm. and uniforms and, and all these different things, the coaches right. uh, and everything. And, and uh, now they have academies, you got to pay for the gym, yeah. you know, all these different things. So there's costs involved just yeah. like they were all forever in America. Right. So you got to do the same thing if you want your son to get that quality experience in a prep school. And mm-hmm. some people have kind of tarnished that a little bit because some of them were fly by nights or mm-hmm. whatever, but for the majority of it, you know, they've shown that, you know, if you put the your money where your mouth is and you have that resources to build right. from, then you can give them a pretty good product.
0: Right. Yeah. and 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 I, don't know, I feel like they put you on the hot seat for that Uh when it was a new thing, yeah I I, yeah, I,
1: I, I'm used to that. Yeah, it's been like that for everything, so I'm used to that. Cause I, I, I have a, you know, a mentality, and, and God has given me that, 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 that uh, thought pattern and that vision to see mm-hmm. ahead of time what's gonna happen. I should go into stocks and bonds. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because I, I know eventually they're gonna figure it out and yeah. see that I was right. So I'm used to being on the hot seat. I don't mind because right. I know sooner or later you're going to say, you are right, Ro. And yeah. we're doing it too. So it's it's really good vindication of like what everyone was, was was doing now.
0: Do, do you think if that CBC documentary aired today, there'd be any backlash?
1: No, not at all. It, it wouldn't even air today because a lot of things that, that CBC documentary showed was things that are like, it doesn't work like they're talking about online courses yeah. or they're talking about trying to do your own prep school, trying to, you know, go to the States, I, I to visa, all these things. So it's happening now. Go ahead.
0: Sorry, so yeah, sorry to cut you off, but the way they were saying prep school yeah. a preparatory Academy, yeah. I'm like, that was supposed to be the whole, the gotcha. That was yeah. like the, yeah. Oh, he's starting a prep school. As yeah. if it's like some like cuss, you know, but now it's like, you're probably not going, you're definitely not going to do one. You're probably not going to use sports if you're not playing prep
1: yeah yeah I, I always tell kids and I, I and parents I try not to be as direct with them but I have to mm-hmm. if you're from BC if you're from Edmonton Alberta Winnipeg Nova Scotia all the the, the cities in New Brunswick and even Montreal you know you mm-hmm. have to go to prep yeah you have to even in America, uh, Ontario now, you have to go to prep because yeah. the the coaches are not buying. If someone scores thirty five in a regular high school game, yeah. a coach is not looking at that and evaluating that. <laughs> to, you know, to like right. what happens in America, you have yeah. to go to prep. You have to you you kind of have to play AAU. You, yeah. you can't just play club locally and that's it. Yeah, you gotta get your name. Before it was good where you're saying if you're good enough they'll find you. Yeah, but now with the transfer portal, the one time yeah. transfer rule. Hey, they're 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 finding that 23-, 24 year old guy that mm-hmm. that played for five, four years, and yeah. he has another year of eligibility, and he's a grown man, yeah. and he's been through all those, all that grind, yeah. and all the experience, the maturity, and everything. They're going for him. So you have to put yourself in that platform right. where you can show that. Hey, I can play well against right. really tough competition.
0: The, the the place where I still have my guard up is the junior prep, and I know they're the, all the, the junior teams are doing well. Like, and they're actually mm-hmm. really investing in these kids. Mm-hmm. Just, but if you're personally for me, grade nine, grade 10, like you're still really figuring out, is this even your favorite sport? Do you like, and it's cost aside. It's like there's social cost to it too, right? Like um, there's a lot of prep programs right now that aren't actually, like Crestwood has classes in Crestwood with a student body. There's a lot of schools right now that aren't, it's just the basketball boys. So it's like, it's a, I, unless you're a sure thing and you can tell that from a very early age, I would probably steer kids personally to have a high school experience and maybe make that decision around grade 10 or
1: less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, it's a, it's a good thought for the majority of people Yeah. other than some, some specific kids right. that you know from early that right. they can get there. It is pretty good to start grade 9 at your local school, go through it, yeah. and then after that, decide and sit down with your parents and say, yeah. this is what I want to do. Now, let's go look for a proper prep school that starting from August, going all the way till June, traveling to the States in a a really good platform, and and, uh, I can handle academics and basketball. So that's that's probably the best way to go. Yeah. But in order to make a team you have to have 13 guys. right? So a lot of schools are having their right. their senior prep team, and then they're going to have their junior prep team. So yeah. it's almost like they'd they, they, they like to do that, but mm-hmm. they're caught up with the fact that they need a feeder system. Yeah, They need a junior team to go with the senior team. And so they have no choice but to roll with it.
0: Yeah, no. And, and I, I totally get it on the school's perspective. It's just like for me, when I was in grade 9, grade 10, the people I hung out with then... Are still my best friends now, and we're gonna be best friends for our whole life. You know what I mean? So it's like, you st- you still got to be a kid. Make sure that you love basketball uh, personally, but there's not. It's not for everybody. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, because I, I let, let's go back to the the CBC stuff because we both agree now that it's a non-story if it comes out last week.
1: Yeah, it's a non-story because they're making a the thing like, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, prep schools. He's starting a prep school. Everyone's starting a prep school now. just yeah. like it went from like maybe like say, thirty prep schools in on, Ontario in like two thousand to like almost hundred prep schools in Canada yeah. now. so it's the way to go. Mm-hmm. I've always said way back in the day that you have to do that, and maybe because I was a trailblazer and you didn't see someone ahead of you putting it together and mm-hmm. you're, you're misstepping and you're trying to figure things out. And, yeah, sure, you could have did this instead of that. But, like, you right. know, it's like like a football game. Right. It's like being a wheelchair, um, armchair quarterback where you're right. saying, you're seeing it after the game is being finished yeah. and you're seeing the highlights and say, oh, he should have went this route and he should have passed it this right. guy. It's easy to do, right. but when you're going through it, you're doing what you see, what's the best for kids and what right. the best you could do, and you're, you're going through it. So I didn't really take it as nothing. I just mm-hmm. said, I'm just going to continue on what I'm yeah. doing because I knew eventually it, it, they're going to
0: see that that's Some what Some version happens. of this is yeah, going to be normal. Exactly. It, when you're looking back, is th- is there one or two things that you're looking at? Okay, that's the thing I would have changed and maybe people would have gone off my back. Is there anything that, that sticks out?
1: Um, maybe... It's hard to say because, you know, like for you know what they say like for the for the time you had and the information you had, right. you did the best you could uh, because you're you trying to put something together. Good. Maybe mm-hmm. because that maybe the resources and the, the things weren't set up and you're kind of the kids wanted it. Right. And you probably would have said, OK, let's stop it now, revisit it when we have every, our ducks in a row, yeah. and then revisited them. then. But the, all the kids are like, we want to still do it. Right. So you said, okay, let's figure it out and try to make the best of it. Because all those kids all went Division I or, or D2 or JUCO, whatever. Right. So they, it's not like, oh, my gosh, those kids just went to nothing. Right. All of them still went where they had yeah. to go. So it might have been perfect like how you wanted it, but it was still pretty good. Right. You know what I mean? Because everyone still now... Does that same stuff that I did, they still do the same thing. So yes. there isn't nothing specifically that would have done differently, other than like let's take a step back and look at all all the look at all the facets and mm-hmm. then go forward. Right. But you're kind of caught up in the time and everyone wanted it still, so you just went ahead and did it, right. and you made the best of it, which which what I did. You know, you made the best of it because kids still uh, went to where they they should go.
0: Right. Who was on that team? Did do I remember? Was there was there big players on that team? Was that the
1: yeah? Um, uh, uh, Andrew Wiggins was there. Yeah. And um, you know, a bunch. Uh, Xavier rathan Mays was there. Yeah. And um, Macau, McIntosh, different years, but yeah. there's, there's some some pretty good players. And you figured, hey, we played Oak Hill. Yeah, we went to all these national tournaments, so right. they had a good experience. Still, like it's not like oh nothing happened. Like they, yeah. it's still pretty good if you really think about it. What we did, it was, it was still good. So uh, you live and you learn from it, and then now, you, now I'm in a position now yeah. where as a consultant, it's pretty good. It's helped me to be gone through those experiences because now yeah. you're saying, okay, I, I can be one of those guys in the army that says don't step there as a mm-hmm. landmine don't step there come over here because you know exactly the way you should do it so that's, yeah. that that's helped me and that's gonna help me to be the best consultant out there because i actually went through it rather than yeah. i read a book or watched a movie right. or asked someone else i actually went through it so now you could be even a better consultant uh for programs uh to do the right thing and go right through it
0: is this your first time like really talking about yeah. that period because i i I wanted to approach it sensitively, but I also feel like it is a full circle moment, right? Like you're able to be, like you said, you're able to be an effective consultant because you've seen the good and you've seen the bad and you've worked way all the way through it. So um, what are some like triumphs of that period that are maybe just lost because there was the shadow casted on it because there was a new prep program yeah. And stuff?
1: Um, some of the, yeah, like you said before, before I go into that part. Yeah. Um, You know, just the fact that, uh, you know, you you, you experience everything. So, you know, all angles. Yeah. Every prep school at some point even when I was at Crestwood had your ups and downs, your good days, your bad days, you're, you're figuring things out. So you're always going to be there where you're trying to figure it out. But now you have that experience, you have that contact, you have that know-how to say, okay, let's go through this, let's back up, let's go over here, let's call this person, let's do all that. Yeah. So then you can help programs in that better to manage their prep school. So I would be like a really good consultant yeah. based on <laughs> that. You know what I'm saying? But, um, like I said before, a lot of great things happened. We we played Oak Hill. One time we lost, lost to Oak Hill by, I think, three or something like that, mm-hmm. you know? And they were like mighty cl- uh, Oak They were Hill. always strong. Yeah. yeah. The first time we played against them, I think we lost by like 40. Right. You know what I mean? When the <laughs> right. kids didn't even know what's going on and they lost. And, you know, you had some guys went to the NBA or had a, a couple copy of the NBA, like Andrew Wiggins and, mm-hmm. and, and, um, and Rattan, um, Xavier Rattan Mays and and mm-hmm. Mikhail McIntosh and, and other guys. So you had some really good guys that that with your programs that still went to the NBA, went to high major D1 and so forth. So it, it was pretty good. You went to some really good events. And so some really good things still happen. You know, it might have been like, oh, a great, wonderful experience, but what prep school program now hasn't had ups and downs, mm-hmm. you know, each day. Even in America, they've had different things that kids have left, right. you know, Coaches have changed. Yeah, all these things have happened, and at the end of the day, I'm still here. You know, so right. I had a good run, uh, and and it wasn't for none of that why I decided to retire. It was more that, like no. I said before, that I paid my dues, I did my time. Uh, you know, I don't want to have to deal because a lot of college, a lot of prep school coaches, most prep school coaches, unless they're younger, yeah, don't go uh, coach for 12 months a year. You know, and I've been doing it for a long time where I was doing prep school for the whole year, then right into AAU. Sometimes I was doing both at the same time. Yeah. So... Um, you know, now you get to relax a little bit. Really, you know, you know, look at everything, and then, like I said, the mo- a really important thing for me is to clear that space for when my, you know, my my future grandson comes right. or, or daughter comes around. Then you can spend a lot of time with them. You know, no, so, that, that's gonna be super exciting. That, that's really important. You know, what I mean, for me, uh, you know, I haven't had a a young kid for a long time. You know, my 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 older son's uh, thirty two. Yeah. Uh, my my younger son twenty eight. My you know, my adopted daughter is uh, 33, you know, so you haven't had kids for a while, so you wanna be able to, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, influence them, impact them, nurture them, grow with them, be around, you mm-hmm. know, and see them go from a young kid to a, a grown woman or man, right. so, yeah.
0: And and, and everybody listening to this now that, that understand and following along with us, this is not a big issue today. The prep scene is not a big issue today. At the time, there was like backlash and stuff. How? Low did that get for you? Like, was it? Was there ever a period where you thought, maybe I can't coach again, or they won't accept me mm-hmm. in this community anymore?
1: Um, well, because I'm, uh, my faith in, uh, in God and Jesus Christ, I, I was always strong-minded, mm-hmm. and um, I knew that I, I had that h- inner strength and inner help. So I I was never low. I was mm-hmm. always okay. That didn't work as as I wanted to, mm-hmm. but it still worked at, at some level. So let me still you know, f, you know tweak grind it. and yeah. tweak it and figure it out and then when I went to Crestwood, <laughs> look what happened. So, right. so what I did at Crestwood kind of vindicates what where my heart was and my mm-hmm. capabilities were, you know, and and getting that opportunity to to be there. So um you know that stuff is like Uh, water under the bridge for me, you know what I mean? Other than um, helping and consulting for other programs that have different challenges and different decisions to make and so forth. So I I, I take it with a a grain of salt that, hey, you know, let me get the, you know, I like to turn um, uh, lemons into lemonade. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to dwell on that because it's not like, oh, let's bring these kids and make money and bring them away, whatever. It was like, hey... Let's build something great because this guy's doing it. Let's try to do the same thing, Mm -hmm. you know? So therefore, um, I don't even think about it. This is the first time I've ever talked about it since, you know, because, uh, you know, it's it's not nothing that I sit home and talk about. I want to take the good from it, which there was a lot of good, and then do that. Like you said, now it would not be an issue, you know? Mm -hmm. Back then, I was kind of like 10 years behind um, in front of my time and um and that's why it was new and yeah and people were you know talking this or that about it but now it's like everyone's doing it everyone Mm -hmm. has a prep school you know what i mean so yeah
0: Yeah. that's good and 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 obviously very thankful that you're able that you're willing to talk about it but i also feel like it's something that we should overcome right like there shouldn't be a stain for something that's it's usually the other way around, you know what I mean? Where people are saying, oh, you know, back in the day, that's just how people were, that's how people yeah, acted. Yeah. We just said those things. Yeah. And then people live, they learn, and they get better at it. Yeah, exactly. This is like the almost the exact opposite yeah. situation where yeah. we did the thing earlier that people adopt later. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I wanted to address, and I feel like you've never had a chance to come out and talk about it, or it's just not something people wanted to touch on for whatever reason or, or yourself. Which is explainable, but um, I'm happy that you can that you can talk honestly about it. And then, again, it's not a big deal. It's prep. Yeah, it's prep. <laughs> there, there's it's there's prep. provincial governed prep activities going on downstairs right now. Yeah, exactly. That's how much of a <laughs> how much of a change we are today, right? Yeah, like,
1: yeah, yeah. I, I was just ahead of my time and you didn't have, like, someone in front of you. Now they have – now they they see what I did and Mm -hmm. what other people did in America, and then it's easy to, like I said, to be an armchair quarterback and say, okay, do that, don't do that, go this way, go that way, make this faster. It's easy, but when you're trying to go out there, I should be, like, uh, you know, looked on really good for, like, hey, he's taking a great um, early opportunity to try to do something big for these kids because back then, like – Hardly any D1 coaches came up to right. Canada, and a lot of the teams weren't that good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And they started playing and 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 having like um, tryouts in November. You right. know, they played like 25 games, and you know some teams are good, some teams weren't good. So it was an opportunity to say, hey, these kids are special. These kids want more. Let's let's take that opportunity for them. So it's it's good, uh, you know, to, to to look at it from that perspective because that's what it is. You know, mm-hmm. it was just new. It was just, yeah. that's the biggest thing was new because now it, it would be nothing. It's like having all these uh, prep school coaches saying, hey, how come this didn't work? And how come your kids didn't go D1 and all this stuff? Mm-hmm. Like, what about that? At least our kids went D1, so it's right. all good.
0: Right, Um, We're going to wrap it up quickly. Are we all good with the that? We're going to wrap it up quickly. I have two sure. more quick questions for you. Yeah. Um, what's one thing, is there anything that bothers you about this generation of prep? or the prep scene now? My mind, when I was thinking of this question, was maybe it's not a, a fault of prep, but I do feel like uh, the players right now are more diva-esque than yeah, hardworking. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. I, I think that um, when it first started, when preps first started back in like 2015, 16, 17, 18, yeah. it was more like, let's work. We got this opportunity. We got yeah. this, Hungry. This, this this platform. Yeah, let's work. But now it's like I want to show you on a selfie that I'm working and mm-hmm. get my followers up. It and, seems less genuine. Dancing uh, on doing all these yeah. different <laughs> TikTok stuff. Like it's not the same. Like you're in prep because you want to get better and you want to get focused academically and basketball wise mm. to where you can get an opportunity to go play um, in, in Division One or or use sports at a high level or whatever, but they're kind of slowly getting away from that. And because of the lack of experience with these prep school coaches, they're kind of letting it happen rather than bring it back in and make it old school, make it pure, Mm -hmm. make it focused about what what it's supposed to be about.
0: And the last one's gonna be for the kids. What's one thing that every young hooper can work on right now to better their chances of being a successful basketball player?
1: Shoot the ball. Yeah. That's the most important thing about shooting the ball. You see Steph Curry. You see the, the ridiculous things that he does. Yeah. For a guy that's not a, not athletic, not quick, not big, not strong, mm-hmm. but shooting the ball that level, you know, makes him catch up to everybody else in the NBA. And not a lot of guys. They spend more time doing windmill dunks and showboating and mm-hmm. jellies and all these things. <laughs> when you gotta work on your proper form shooting, you yeah. get into the gym. You start off by shooting one hand and you do that whole nine. You put an arc on it and everything is there. You don't just come and shoot around and talk to your teammates and oh, show me your dunk. Let me take a picture of it, a (laughs) video of it. You know what I mean? They're getting away from that. So let's get back to your form shooting. That's the most important thing. You get into the gym, get form shooting.
0: You ever try a jelly layup? No. You never just do that? I, ba-
1: I, I ban it. I ban not it. one of those? Back in the day when I played, it was more of a finger roll, but it was because yeah. you did it because you needed to stretch over here and get it back soft <laughs> out the glass. It's it was,
0: entertaining, though.
1: But it, It's entertaining, <laughs> but it was kind right. of a fad. Right. Because a lot of people don't do it no more. A lot of yeah. coaches don't allow their plays. They ban it. So it, it kind of it was more of a fad than a trend mm-hmm. because the real guy that could do it was obviously the Iceman. Right. right? You know, um, uh, you know, Gervin was the guy that did it, and that was him. He did it in the streets all his life, and yeah. it was effective. And he did it against anyone. He got him over um, Will Chamberlain trying to block his shot, and he yeah. finger rolled it. And, and or you know, uh, yeah, he, this is why it was called a finger roll rather than yeah. jelly. Jelly's too stylish because the yeah. ball could roll off the rim and roll out, yeah. rather than getting away and having a soft
0: touch. So it's a you.
1: different way of looking at it, you know what I'm yeah.
0: saying? <laughs> Bro, congrats again, once again, for on the retirement. Congrats on being grandfather coming up. And the best of luck to thank all you. the things you do. And thank you again. So generous with your time right now. Yeah, I, think we went, I think we could have made this four hours if we yeah. wanted to. There's
1: so much things to talk about, yeah. but it was good. It was, uh, it was enjoyable, and I appreciate the opportunity to get my, my, my word out that I, I'm retiring from prep basketball and using yeah. my knowledge, expertise, and know-how and experience to help other programs so they don't have to go through all the ups and downs that I did. Uh, even though I ended up pretty good, hey, let's get them quicker. Let's get them for the betterment of the kids.
0: Appreciate it. Thanks, guys, for watching. Uh, if you made it this far, you're not subscribed yet. Come on. At this point, that's like an hour of entertainment. But anyways, thanks again for the time. Shout out to K First time producing behind the camera. Not a lot to do, but hopefully it sounds okay.
1: Yeah. All right.